And welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Davidson, and I'm joined by Ethan Huffman and Elkin Beltre. And guys, we are going to be talking about the Southwest Division. Who would have thought the Southwest Division? I mean, not easily confusable with the Southeast. Easily um, confusable with the Southeast little, Division. It's a very, you know, only a two-letter difference if you really break it down. Um, I know. I mean, but, t- take the, out the W, throw in, throw in an A, and... Listeners out there, I messed up and did did all the preparation yeah. work for the wrong division. And then I'm there confused receiving the email. I was like, oh, cool. Got an email last night. Southeast, wait a minute. What's going on? Oh, Southwest this morning. Wait a minute. Yeah. But we're here. Southwest, live in living color. I'm ready. We made it. We made it. Thank, thanks, Ethan, for uh, fixing my my error. It's okay. It's just, it's just what I do. I go to sleep early and don't fix it in real time, but get back around to it later. Here's our, here's our fixer. That's what Ethan is. That's yeah. right. Regulators, as, as I call myself. <laughs> Regulators. <All right. laughs> so in starting with this division, again, going in the order in which we generally think things will finish out, we're going to go ahead and start with the Houston Rockets because, well, of course. Uh, they they were the number one team record wise in the entire NBA last season. So props to them. Uh, they went sixty five and seventeen, and well, they ended up losing a few people. Like so, what, this is why people are more down on them this year, right? Mm-hmm. They end up losing. Well, Trevor Ariza being the big name, uh, they end up losing him. Uh, they end up losing uh, Luke Richard Mbamute, uh, both of their wings, essentially. I guess Joe Johnson, do you want to include Joe Johnson in that discussion? I mean, he was a he was a free agent, uh, yeah. signing, like after the uh, buyouts or whatever. But I mean, like, uh, he's just one of those guys, like, I think you'd still like to have him on this team based off the way they this offseason went. Like, I think I'd rather yeah. have Joe Johnson than Michael Carter-Williams, like, just like, – for that that small factor that you know Joe Johnson might back his way into the Hall of Fame, whereas Michael Carter Williams is still trying to figure out how he won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, you, with Joe Johnson, maybe you could tell a bobblehead or two, right, or yeah. or whatever. I mean, you're you're not doing that with Michael Carter. I mean, maybe you're doing like rookie, you know, you know, some Rookie of the Year type of thing, but yeah. probably not. Uh, I I just think like I mean, actually, you know, Michael Mike Carter Williams might provide enough defensive. You know, additions that you can throw them out there and say, "Hey, just you know, stay in the short corner so we can throw you an oop or something." You know, like <laughs> yeah, but that's I mean, the like, one way we can use you on offense. So let's yeah. let's make it happen. This is in specific matchups, though. I mean, let, let's let's think about this for a moment because the only matchup that really matters is Golden State, and mm-hmm. if any of the additions or losses that happen to them like affect golden state like that's all that's all that matters that's so true. so i mean losing trevor Reza and luke richard Bimute, those are probably the real ones there ryan anderson mm-hmm. also gone through trade and in my estimation doesn't really matter because he did not matter at all in the golden state warriors series so you know who cares yeah that's a good point so the additions, let's go ahead and talk about that. Through the draft, absolutely nothing because you know they they ended up drafting DeAnthony Melton, who people were like really high about. Like for whatever reason, he slid yeah. to the second round. Uh, they got him, had a pretty good summer league, but then basically the Ryan Anderson tax. They traded that both of those guys to the Phoenix Suns, getting back Marquise Chris and Brandon 
night. Not, not only did they do that, but they got Carmel Anthony uh, through a interesting process. Uh, we already mentioned Michael Carter-Williams. And then my very own James Ennis. <laughs> Heat lifer James Ennis. Yep. Can, we, can we really say Heat lifer? Because he literally has not been on the Heat for his entire life and mm-hmm. will probably no longer be on the Heat after His this. most iconic play of his career was a dunk that got him yep. number one on ESPN. And it was in a Heat uniform. So, yes, Heat lifer. All that matters. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm about to send the candy <laughs> gift out here for you guys, but um, that's, a heat, that's a heat gift too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Anyways, trying try, trying to you know fit it in. Um, uh, out of these all these additions, right? Mm-hmm. Which one do you think is going to be the most impactful uh, out of what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six additions. Which of them is going to be the most impactful? I, I guess you know. Since the focus is all on the Warriors, which one's going to be the best addition specifically for the Golden State Warriors series? I think it's James Ennis. I mean, he's the one with the highest potential to guard, actually play effective defense out of all these names listed and also not be a complete zero on offense. Like, I think Michael Carter-Williams does have an interesting, like, proposition ahead of him. But I just can't see uh, him getting much minutes come Warriors time because – you don't really want to play him next to Harden or Paul, although I'd say he could be he's playable next to both of them because in, in that scenario, he's not dependent on being like a facilitator. He's more like he's just out there as a, in a Tony Allen role. Like you're just going to be a ball dog and chase around Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. And I mean, like the Tony Allen role, I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies, who we will eventually talk about today, uh, that that team always gave the you know Golden State Warriors issues. And mm-hmm. so having those defenders is is really helpful uh, for me. I'm going to go in a different direction. Um, I and I guess we'll, we'll have to see. But and all of this could be for nothing because we haven't really seen him play in a few years. But I want to go with Brandon Knight. And here's the reason why I'm going Brandon Knight. Oh, boy. Listen, listen. Pistons bias coming out. No, 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 no. If I said James Ennis, someone could say the same thing. But like with Brandon Knight, it's not because he's actually good or I think he'll play well inside of a warrior series. It's because the minutes that he's able to take away from Chris Paul early on, allow Chris Paul to be fresher for that golden state warrior series, which I think is everything that you need. Honestly, all these guys that we've mentioned are probably ancillary pieces and aren't going to be that effective. Sorry, Carmelo, you're not who you used to be. But what I'm saying, like what I think is it allows Chris Paul to be more effective in the series that matters. And th- that's why I throw his name out there. Uh, I mean, for me right now, this is probably going to be leading up to my over under when I finally get to it is I think to myself, all right, all right. Obviously, the Warriors is going to be the Warriors. And we want to immediately say, put the Rockets under because they lost my Butte, Ariza, and all that stuff. But. I'm looking at the rest of the West, looking at the East, and I'm like, is it really going to be that hard for them to, to get to that over? But, it, guys, it does bother me a lot that they lost some floor spacing. That That's one thing that, that just really gets me. They lost some floor spacing. And I know, Richard, you brought up a, a Brandon Knight and Carmelo Anthony. Honestly, you said Carmelo Anthony's not the same, man. I'm on the same boat. And if somehow Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Moore can just sit down with him and mind trick him into being a off the bench guy, then the Rockets will have something there. But we saw what happened last week with OKC. But 
really besides the James Ennis, because I'm looking for, for a guy on the wing, it's hard for me to get too excited about this. And normally with Daryl Morey, you look at all the stuff he's been doing. Like last offseason leading up, I was like, oh, we're building something. And then now I'm like, will this team, when it comes down to I'm looking at their depth chart, who are they rolling out in the final quarter, final five minutes, who are they rolling out against the Warriors' best five? Well, who's anyone really rolling out against the Warriors' best five? Let's be Marquise real. Chris, obviously. Yeah, it's Marquise Chris. I know he's <laughs> sarcastic, but he frustrates me so much as a bat watching basketball. What were you going to say, though, Rich? I think you were going to go. What I was going to say is, like, you know, last year, Carmelo Anthony had really big issues with wanting to come off the bench. And, I mean, understandably so. It's like, well, who are you going to play in his place? Kyle Singler? Um, You know, I mean, obviously not. But, like, over in that, like, there just weren't the players in – you know, in OKC that you could say, honestly, tell, like could be able to convince him, hey, you know what, maybe just come off the bench, be your be your shooting self. But here you still don't have that. I mean, like who has the pedigree on the wing like James Ennis? I mean, like who has who are you going to be able to convince Carmelo Anthony that, hey, it's listen, man, um, you're not the same as you were. If you fit into this role, I just have a hard time. I just don't know if D'Antoni is going to be able to convince him. I mean, maybe maybe Daryl Morby, but who knows? I don't think it's crucial if he starts or doesn't. Like, and if if Carmelo starts, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter to me. Like everyone talks win, about yeah. taking this bench role and playing your Mono Ginobili self. Like, who cares? Eric Gordon does that. You don't need all these people taking back seats to start a game. Like, it's going to be Chris Paul, James Harden, PJ Tucker, Carmelo, and Capella to start started a game and that's fine it's not a problem come postseason you're, you're basically just doing what most teams do and still having that big that random big guy start a game and, and but the big guy in this scenario is Carmelo because he's the defensive liability you can't switch come, come into game like I think we're gonna find it that's gonna be Chris Paul Harden Tucker and I honestly think it's Gerald Green and or James Ennis will be in that closing lineup with Capella. I think that's what that's where the rub's going to come. Is like who between Gerald Green and James Ennis is shooting better and playing better defense for that individual game, and that's what closing lineup it w- will be, unless Carmelo is changes who he is defensively. And how until often, that happens, he's not part of a closing lineup. He can how, start though. Who cares? Yeah. How, how often was a? Uh, I remember Eric Gordon doing really well. In the Warriors series, how often was Eric Gordon playing down the stretch? Um, I mean, I think it was easier to play him last year when you knew that you could put out Trevor Ariza and he could guard all the way up to a you know Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, like in terms of girthiness. Gerald Green and James Ennis struggle with that kind of size, but like, yeah, Eric Gordon could be part of that too. Like, it just it all depends on if you can get Capella out there in the closing lineup. Eric Gordon, I think, can be out there. You just you need someone who can rebound. And Peter Tucker boxes that well, but he's not a rebounder. Yeah, yeah I mean, l- last year they had some Capella-less, you know, ends to games uh, with, with the guys that they had out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, even still, I wonder how Kamal Anthony uh, handles that. I mean, you, you think, I mean, he did that at, to some degree last year as well, where he didn't finish games. It didn't seem like he was too happy about it. But, uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, Ethan, you had the under. On the Houston Rockets, uh, I had the overs because I thought that 10 games is or 11 games would be too much of a drop off uh, just for Trevor Ariza. And I mean, I feel like that, that hurts you in the postseason, not so much in the regular season. Elkin, uh, where do you land on this spectrum? 
kind of like as I was alluding before, yeah, the team got worse, but I don't feel like the West overall, besides the Warriors, really got made that much of a jump in the Lakers, of course. I still have them now winning 65, but they're probably going to win 55 or 56. I'm going with the over. All right. I wish what? I could remember exactly what my reason was for picking the under. It's probably like, I just think they'll win 54 games exactly. What do you think would have, been a, would have been a good free agent acquisition during the summer for them? Just keeping Ariza. That's, that's what it comes down to for me is because now you lost, like your, I think, third most valuable player in crunch time because of his defensive and offensive abilities. Like, Eric, if you told me, Ethan, you're starting a team tomorrow, who do you want? I, I'm taking Eric Gordon a hundred times over Trevor Ariza just because he's a guy who can carry me for an entire game. But Ariza mm-hmm. is so important on the defensive end um, because he's got the size, he's got the length, and he's got the one of the most important aspects of defense, rebounding. He can actually go up and grab rebounds. Eric Gordon is a fantastic guard rebounder because he's just such a strong, <laughs> strong little guy. But Man, like that's what my biggest worry is. If they have to go Capella-less closing lineups, is I don't know who's going to grab rebounds on this team because Carmelo might jump up, grab it, and swing those elbows, but he's not actually a great rebounder. Yeah, Car- Carmelo may have forgotten to rebound in OKC with with Russ there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's if they would have kept Ariza, right? Not done the Carmelo thing or whatever. Maybe they bring in Ennis because they lose uh, Bamute. Yeah. And then they make this trade with Brand, you know, getting Brandon Knight as another guard because I feel like that was where you know they had no backup point guard to go to because they just staggered the minutes between yeah. uh, you know CP3 and and James Harden and, and Eric Gordon too. But if you had one more person like a Brandon Knight in there, like for me, that would be like wow, they they they've actually upgraded. They they did something to upgrade their the whole of their team. Um. In balancing it out, because Ryan, you know, Anderson was worthless, a worthless body on the team in the post. Yeah. So, anyways, it's an interesting situation. Um, uh, for whatever reason, Ethan chose the under, but seemingly wants the over now. Be uh, no, perhaps they're, they're going to win fifty-four games. Okay. If I had to, if you had, if you gave me five dollars and I had to bet it, I would still take the under. Okay. Well, because I don't think they're going to go. I don't think. I mean, fifty-five sounds like a fair number, but like I don't. I don't think that's what they're going to get. I think this team is completely de- has realized it's completely not important for them to have any kind of home field advantage. Like, yeah. like they're not. They they realize that they're not going to beat the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. In the regular I, season, I don't I mean, yeah, I, I, I just think, I don't know, I, I think that they only think that they are a Chris Paul injury away, and so right. we'll see. We'll but they're see. Not gonna get, they're not going to beat the Warriors in the regular season, so oh. why, why beat anyone else? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. San Antonio Spurs. Um, last year they were forty-seven and uh, thirty-five. Actually, finished third in this division. Um, and obviously the big loss of Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. That trade, uh, that occurred. Um bringing in DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl. Uh They also got rid of some of the mainstays that have been there for a while. Tony Parker uh, left. Gone. Um, but who cares, really, for that one? Uh, Manu Ginobili left. Um, you know, Manu, I, I, I legitimately think that's a loss, honestly. Uh, they, they lost Kyle Anderson as well. Uh, lost slow-mo um, to the Memphis Grizzlies, which we'll talk about soon. And uh, they also lost uh, Jeffrey Laverne, who it appears went to France. And that's all that I care about as far as the losses. They brought back Marco Bellinelli and Dante Cunningham. They brought him in and Quincy Pondexter. They drafted Lonnie Walker, the fourth. And 
Um, I can't pronounce their second round pick. Can someone help me out with that? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, Chemezi Metu. Yeah. Yeah, let's, go let's, yeah, let's go okay. with that. Let's go with that. Take a moment to to mentally process it. Um, I don't <laughs> know how impactful he'll be, but they're over under was 44 and a half. We, we we've already bemoaned this, like how how low that I, mean, I don't want to I don't want to influence you, Elkin, but man, that was low um, to me. That one that one immediately I'm not gonna wait. That I'm going for the over. Okay. Like I'm telling you with pretty much they're rolling out the same group but with additions that they didn't have last year and a DeMar DeRozan caliber player. It's almost like you should pick the over. Thank you. I wonder I feel like the betting line is you probably wouldn't get this that much if you were to bet on them getting the over. I feel like most people are betting the over right now. Ethan, yeah. do we have a line for that one or, or not? I mean, I could, I got, I'd have to get pull up a site, but I don't know. Like, I know, like, I recently just put some capital for entertainment purposes <laughs> only on the Miami Heat covering a uh, forty-one and a half, but the line had shifted to where it was minus one thirty. Ooh. So like a, a classic line is a just is minus one fifteen for mm-hmm. over unders and then whatever over under. So like this line has shifted just a little bit, and so you, you could get even money on the under for the Heat. So like obviously they don't want to change their over under, but then they're obviously recognizing that most people are are thinking that the Heat will win more than forty one and a half. I would guess a similar thing's happening with the Spurs because that that under seems so unlikely given. That while Kawhi Leonard is a huge loss, I mean, you can make up for seven games of Kawhi Leonard, I think. And with that in mind, I I just can't see uh I can't see how that 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 number stays that way. It's just that's weird. Forty like how do they not stay the same adding DeRozan and adding, you know, like not by signing Marco Belno, you kind of can replace Danny Green regular season Danny Green. I mean, he's not gonna be a post guy. You lose some defense in, right. throughout all of this, but, but. it's a regular season. Mm-hmm. Like Danny Green, like he's shutting off. Maybe like he's good for like almost four points a game by himself because he stops fast breaks like no one else. Mm-hmm. But I, like I, I just can't get too bent out of shape by their losses, other than mono for locker room reasons. And I think on core reasons. I mean, I I think he's been you know I mean, he's good. Like he's, he's 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 been pretty good. Yeah, he's definitely like. Still valuable in a rotation, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when you bring in Demar Rosen and you lose seven games of Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, I mean, and and you lost Tony Parker, so I mean, the locker room. I mean, maybe that improves. Yeah. So who knows? He, he was yeah. a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a grump, it would appear, last um, year. Hey, don't forget, Tony Parker has a history of having issues with teammates. Don't forget what happened with Brent Barry. Mm-hmm. I can let him live that one down. No, no, come on, Tony. Um, <laughs> losing slow mo. How much? How much do you guys think that? Because I, I mean, I saw slow mo more as like that backup facilitator. Because Patty Mills wasn't a facilitator on the bench, but do you guys really see it having a large impact? I think the loss here is now all of a sudden you you've lost an ability to go small, like because like even though slow mo wasn't a three point shooter people still respected him out there. And then he would, you know, waltz his way into the lane after, after a closeout. And that was a, a good secondary offense for them. Um, I think you've lost that now. Um, it's really going to be dependent on Rudy Gay stepping up his ability. If they want to continue to play small with like Marcus Aldridge closing games. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I like the moves that they made this like kind of fix that problem. Cause Dante Cunningham, 
I think will exclusively play the four for the first time in his career now. I think he is a value there, whereas most of his career playing in the Pelicans, he was forced up to play the three. Um, I, I think this, I think the moves that they made will fill that role pretty easily. And I don't think it's all that hard to replace him. Just like he was a little bit dynamic, but he really couldn't shoot and he couldn't really create his own shot unless it was off a pump fake. So. And, and he became valuable last year when Kawhi Leonard didn't play. Having, you know, and so basically you're, you're, you know, you're removing Kawhi Leonard, you're bringing in DeMar DeRozan, and you also are bringing um, Rudy Gay back, right? So, so theoretically, those, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think you, you make up for it with that and the other, and the other smaller moves that you've made. So, uh, I, I am a little bit concerned though. Looking at that dev chart, who could they possibly roll out for like their main lineup or even starting? Their bench seems to have shooters like a, like a you have like a Pondexter, Benelli. You have those guys. Bryn Forbes, and fourth, but your starting lineup. I mean, so you guys would imagine. Would, are they going to put Murray in the starting lineup? Car Murray put obviously Demar Derozan, Rudy Gay. Mm-hmm. Is he going to go? Yes. And then you have Marcus Aldridge and Powell. He's still around. I always forget he's still around. I mean, you have guys who can who are good mid range shooters, but all the way out to three. Like Murray and Rudy Gay have, to me, seem to be even that that weak link there. I think even a Lamarcus Aldridge is a better three point shooter, especially from the corner compared to those guys. I don't think Rudy Gay is a weak link in in that regard. Um, I I mean I really like Rudy Gay. I think he's still a very good player. Oh, I love um, me some Rudy. Gay. I I I would not consider him a weak link in the shooting department. Now Deontay Murray can't shoot at all. Yes. But let's let's go to the, uh, the stats here, boys. Um, Pau Gasol, last season, let me pull this up here and get these tabs stop flying around, shot a nice 35% from three-point range, 36% if you want to round up a little bit. And that's after shooting 53% the year prior. Whoa, how about that? Wild stuff from Pau Gasol. I think Pau Gasol is finally, like, down with shooting threes that he wasn't when he played for the Lakers under under Dan Tony. And I think his value stretches out to there, especially as they get him to a more of a three-point line to three-point line kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 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 aging. He's he's good for 20 minutes a game, but you can't really depend on him for much more after that. Jakob Pertl, on the other hand, not a three-point shooter. Not at all. And that's that's disappointing on my end because I remember him being when he was getting drafted. He was looked at as a versatile player coming out of Utah, going to be able to do a lot of different things. And I don't think he's turned into that quite yet. Um, but if if that if your centers are Gasol, Aldridge, and Pirtle, only one of them can't shoot, and I think that's a pretty big deal. I think we should not underestimate the effect that Chip England could have on. I just wanted to bring up Demari Rosen because uh. you know. I mean, while while Demar, you know, began begun to spread it out a little bit more, he wasn't super efficient, and but that opened up the Raptors' offense. What if Demar can actually improve percentage wise? Any, any takers on that? I I mean, I'd like the idea of him just pulling more often. Like I think in the Spurs' offense, like I, th- I think ball movement is even more established as a as a staple and a pillar of their success that he, he's going to be a catch and shoot threat even more so than he was in in Toronto because in Toronto like he had at least a lot of baggage about not shooting you know what I'm saying whereas now 
Like he's going to a new system. He's learning everything. There's going to be like a certain expectation that if you catch the ball, you're open. You let you just shoot. That and that's that change of scenery can be could be healthy for him. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason a guy like Demar Derozan shouldn't be a good three point shooter. It, it's there's really not. It's just it's fair. It's never translated, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I, I I could see him get up to 37 percent. Like I I don't think any of that's unreasonable. I think his his attempts don't go th- don't go up much from last year though. Yeah, but he was trending in the right direction as far as his shot selection. Instead of just I'm gonna move in. Uh, mid-range, I thought the Toronto staff really had something going with him as far as he showed he can do it. Like you said, I'm not I'm not saying I'm very pessimistic about it. Sometimes I worry that they won't have – that the defense will still sag off a little bit on some of those starters. I mean, obviously, Murray – we know Murray shot sometimes looks like a one-handed shot put shot to me at times. Yeah. I think – I mean, but they have mid-range still. Dude, they're gonna dominate the mid range between yep. between DeRozan and Aldridge. They might have the best, the two best just mid range. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Kevin Durant's better, but like, let's, let's like uh, people who make it their staple. They got they have the two. I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, Spurs. I'm coming for you. I'm gonna be watching you a lot this year, and I'm excited. Moving on to our third team, the. New Orleans Pelicans, who were the second team in the division last year, coming off a uh, well, they they swept the you know basically they they ended the uh, your your team your secondary team, Ethan the the Trailblazers. Unfortunately um, for them, they got destroyed the the round after. But that's okay. Right. They unfortunately come in with some pretty big losses, some pretty big losses to veterans. DeMarcus cousins gone. Rajon Rondo gone to try to remedy that. They brought in Alfred Payton. They also brought in Julius Randall, which, you know, Julius Randall signing. I'm all, I'm all about. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. Uh, Alfred Payton. I see them trying to just say like, well, he looks the most like Rajon Rondo. Yeah. Without with you, maybe give him a haircut and maybe maybe got a haircut. have a, he did get a haircut, so you know who knows. And uh, Jaleel Okafer, yeah. I am least I, I am less happy about that, other than the fact that they that they should have uh, two Okafers on that team, mm-hmm. right? And Mecca and Jaleel, so and that, that, that's fun. Well, what does it say about Jaleel that we would probably rather have a Mecca than Jaleel? Mm. I'm back, I'm backtracking on that because he came on the CJ McCollum podcast. Now I'm all in on Julie Oka for having to come what, back season. What did he say? What did he say on there? Did he say oh, he's a big defense or jumper. Well, like it's just it was like, a lot of the interview was just talking about how much he effort he's put into his physicals this year. And like the thing about being seven foot tall is if you can get out there and move, then you're you're still gonna be a reasonably effective player. Look at Mega Okafer. He's so deteriorated in any kind of skill game. But went out and gave you know an effective ten minutes per game for the Pelicans last year. I don't know if he played ten minutes per game, but that's what I'm going to say. I think Drew Ogrefer, um, playing alongside Anthony Davis, could re like could you know another skilled I guess like you know Joe supposed to come in as a skilled big. Um, mm-hmm. Post game still amazing. Um, like I mean like he's got such good touch, but he you know just never worked out. He was in a losing situation everywhere he went. I like the idea of him if he's if what he was saying on CJ McCollum's podcast, which is true, and that he has like retooled himself as a physical player and moving is moving better. I like his chances of being successful alongside Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis still doesn't want to play center, and so you need someone to go out there and take center minutes during the regular season. And between Julius Randle and Joe Okafor, I and then 
Like Nigo's obviously part of a closing lineup with Anthony sliding down. But I like I like Joel's opportunity to get some uh, minutes to yeah. see if he's got a chance at this league. Because if you can't get it inspired to play hard and good next next Anthony Davis, I I don't know if you have a spot in the league. I'll give him the chance. I'll give him the chance, but uh, I, st- I still it, believe in talent. And the guy was super talented in college. It's it yeah. sounds like the argument for a guy who picked the over. So. <laughs> hey, I picked the over because of Julius Randle, Nico Meritage, and Anthony Davis. That's, That's three big rotation, boys. And so if you have a three like, big rotation, why do you need others? Why do you, you need, need a ten minute guy off the bench? You just, you just come in there and give him a breather. I'm sorry, I, I I have zero faith. Um, I, am, I am happy too, like you guys said about the Julius Randle picking him up. I like I like him some Julius Randles, even though Jalen Rose always makes fun of his arm length all the time. True, saying he has short arm. But I always liked where he was at. He plays a lot of bully ball, but he's a guy at his size. He can handle it somewhat. The one thing that still disappoints me, and this is coming from the Pacers fan side of me, is that Solomon Hill is still there at small forward, guys. Mm. Like that one. I'm so happy the Pacers didn't pay him in 2016. Just seeing this, I'm just like, thank goodness. At first I, like, I was like, oh, we're going to miss Solomon, but not anymore. I like Solomon Hill as a power forward, not a small forward. But they have him slated as small forward because they had the one – Cause, yeah, because they don't have any small forwards still. Yeah, they have no one. How, how lucky did the Indiana, Indiana, the Pacers get in the summer of 2016 letting go of Solomon Hill and Ian Mahimni? I mean, come on, <laughs> like, like that. That's like those are some great non moves. I just gotta say, some great yeah. non moves. Fair, I'll fair point. It, I'll give it to the legend. I, given Indiana fans, you want to know something? Indiana fans. Some of them were actually trying to get the Pacers to sign them back. I of said course. no. Of course. And I was like, as soon as I saw Yamahini's, was it four years, sixty-four million for Yon? Something like that. I, I said, tried no. to repress that memory. <laughs> what? Sixteen a year, basically. Yeah. And then and then Solomon Hill got four years, forty-eight. Yep. Yeah, back when I was like, we have all this money now. The new TV deal. Let's just sign them. It would have been a mistake. I don't, like Hill. I, don't like, I don't like this. I don't like this narrative. I, Solomon Hill has just been hurt lately. He's it's still fine. It's true. Fine. Ethan, I want to give you a few moments to oh. to just well to to talk about the draft picks. Not both of them, just one. I'll just, I'll mention the other one. Tony Carr was drafted in the second round uh, as a point guard. Great. We'll we'll see how that develops. But the other one, which ended up being an undrafted free agent type of situation. Hmm. Well, I want to mention Tony Carr real quick. He's the only reason Penn State was watchable last year. Okay. I mean, just be honest. Like he he's one of those kind of like he's kind of an oversized like point guard for college anyway. And he really has a nice, nice physical game and can get into his own jump shot. So I'll be interested to see how that translates to an NBA where he's not going to be the superior athlete on the court. Like it's it's gonna be interesting. But I think if you pair him alongside um I'm forget I lit Holiday, Drew Holiday. You pair him alongside him. I think he's got a spot because he does have some extra size. So I don't want to not mention him because I do think he's actually going to be pretty okay. good. Okay. Like, I right. think he's a contributor, but maybe not not great. But the boy Trayvon Blewett, let me tell you, had a great summer league. Guy can shoot like few others. He's such a great shooter. I was um, banging this drum since I saw him start taking over for Xavier as a sophomore, and as a junior, um, led the the, the muskie the muskies on a little bit of a tournament run, beating knocking off Arizona to go to go to the Elite Eight. Um, it was a great great run for him. But last year was a big disappointment. He really wet the bed in the second round, and I was very <laughs> concerned because I was like, man, this was your chance to like, actually get drafted. You know, have a team that really wants you 
But instead, I think he's ended up in a good situation for the Pelicans, a team that is in desperate need of shooting. He only got a two-way contract, which was disappointing to me because I thought he proved enough on the offensive end to get a real contract. But this this is a cash-strapped team who's trying to finesse a way to bring in talent and surround Anthony Davis so he doesn't want to leave. Um, but Trayvon Blewett, I think he's going to play basically the max he's allowed out of that two-way contract. And it's going to be interesting to see like what they do with him because Trayvon Blewett, he's got one thing. He shoots the ball really well. He's 6'5", not a great defender, but not terrible, I wouldn't say. Um, I, I compared him to Wayne Ellington. I think that if you look at both their college stats, you would say it's comparable. But Trayvon Blewett was the number one option on his team, whereas Wayne Ellington played with Ty Lawson, Danny Green, and one Tyler Hansborough, who was a college god. So keep that in mind, guys. Wayne Ellington took a long time to get clicking in this league. But now he's, you know, he was he made the most three-pointers off the bench in NBA history. So hmm, Miami Heat fan here. But, yes, that's true. <laughs> I think that, um, honestly, could you think of a better situation for Tron Blewett, a better team for him to go to? I mean, a, a team with okay. – with- Yes. If there's anyone who's prepared to just stand in the corner and wait for a, a catch and shoot <laughs> opportunity and be better at, at defense than Alex Sabrina's, yes. Okay, I fine. Okay, okay, fine, fine. But like, out of 32 teams, like so this is one th- one option. Yeah, no, no. What, what I'm saying, like, th- this is this is a pretty good landing spot for him. I mean, mm-hmm. he could he could have landed in many other worse situations where he's behind like a million other wings that you know it just yeah you just don't have the opportunity here it's like who even is in new orleans i mean yeah we mentioned solomon hill who's been injured for for forever and so i think this is a great landing spot for him i hope that in the in the games that he does show up he plays lights out and uh it yeah. causes them maybe to want to you know bring him up next year yeah i mean you know, another player I think I could compare him to is the is the guy who's on the roster, Etwan Moore. Like, you know, not nothing special. Should be playing two guard, not three. Yes. But I mean, you you, you play where you get your minutes, and Etwan Moore is like, you know, turned himself into a pretty solid NBA player, pretty good. You know, probably should come off the bench for a really good team, but yeah, you do what you gotta do. I'm, yeah. I'm rooting for him because man, everyone knows I like him a lot. Okay. Uh, I'm. Thinking about the over-under, I've been thinking about last year, obviously, not having Boogie Cousins, going to take away some games. But how bad are they really going to be? I can see him winning like 43 games. I'm going with the over. I can see him doing 43-44. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I had him in the under uh, just because I think that this is a team right around like all the other teams that are trying to make it and, and you know, the West – I think I just think the other teams are are a little bit better and yeah, push them underneath. Um, we'll see though. We'll see. I do like some other additions. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. For me, it comes down to who's actually playing point guard for them. Yeah, because they like to have Drew at the two ish. You know, we'll see. Julius nope. Randall, point guard. Okay, fair enough. Memphis Grizzlies. Moving on to a not as good team. Uh, last oh. year, last year they <laughs> won 22 games, lost 60. However, some pretty large additions, I would say. Uh, if you know, if not super notable, they're. I think that you know some of them are pretty good. Kyle Anderson, slow mo went here. 
they went and put out the the offer sheet, and the Spurs decided not to match. Brought him in. Uh, brought in Shelvin Mack, who uh, inexplicably was dropped by the Orlando Magic. So there's that. Um, Garrett Temple. Uh, they brought him in from Sacramento, a solid addition, and they brought in Omri Caspi, who was, you know, a semi-disappointment for the Golden State Warriors last year. And the big additions, where I think they hit home runs, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Javon Carter in the draft. Phenomenal picks. I think that will both be impactful this year. And can we also say for additions that they're going to have Mike Conley back and Mark Gasol? I mean, because honestly... Um. You know, those guys last year went down. Just stunk last year. I, I he would he wasn't hurt all that much. Yeah, but how much you're gonna? I mean, how good are you gonna be when your point guard, your only point guard, ends up going down? I mean, as yeah. a big man, you don't have tons of control over over that. So I'm gonna blame that on Mike Conley. I I hope he's back. Hope he's back healthy. But even if he's not a hundred percent, at least you got Javon Carter, and yeah. at, le- at least you got you know Shelvin Max, some, some some capable bodies who can get you like 3.4 assists, right? Yeah. I think the um the additions they made um all are positive. I think the one loss that's going to be hard to make up for is Tyreek Evans cuz he was he became your best scoring option once Mike Conley went away. And it's hard to replace a guy who can go for 20. You know. That that's tough. But I think the combination of those four guys that they all signed or traded for um, is going to work out very well for them. I think Gary Temple is providing you with solid defense and capable like offense running ability from the two. Shelvin Mack, like I'm, I'm less enth- enthused with him just because like he's he's been fine for several teams. Led the led the Magic in assists last year. Woohoo! I, yeah, I tried to, you know, but anyways. not a, not and Omri Cast. <laughs> He'll be a better shooter when he's not scared to shoot because he's playing next to Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. Uh, Kyle Anderson, we talked about his ability to help the Spurs get into offense. Like him playing some four, maybe even three for them because maybe Jaron Jackson and Gasol are going to play quite a bit of minutes together. I think this team's offense is going to really be slow, but I think it's going to be efficient if they're healthy. And Javon Carter, um, I don't know, I kind of am predisposed to hate him just because I hate how West Virginia plays college basketball. <laughs> Oh, but um, guy's a good defender, mm-hmm. even if he's just kind of like a. I don't know. I'm not going to say that word, but he he really gets into people with against their will. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> I think he's going to be a good NBA player. He's going to be a good contributor, yeah. and I think it was a good pick in the second round. Right? He made he made a. What's his name for the Ringer NBA shows yeah. list of this guy Chris won't Vernon. cannot Chris Vernon he can't, he's like, can't be a bust and yeah. uh, he picked that before the Memphis drafted him so like exactly. no one was unbiased so he's in he's in love with Javon Carter oh especially since he had that list and then then he went there it's like yeah and then, and then yeah he's he's on cloud nine with with this team um you know in their losses we don't really need to go all into that we we should say Ben Mathemore sorry you just got uh, thrown back to the Sacramento Kings. We, we apologize for that. Um, I, and, I did want to uh, mention Darrell Martin because Darrell Martin's played a lot of different positions for them and been like one of those kind of like, oh, well, maybe this is a year that he can, you know, find something. But like then last year they had him playing at the three sometimes, which is insane. He had no, um, no body, so it's. But he, uh, he's he's going to go to the Magic, and we'll see how that works out for him. I, I think he could be fine. But yeah, no, nothing else is important. James Dennis got traded away last year. Like I mentioned him because mm-hmm. he started the year there, but he got he got traded to uh 
He got traded to the Pistons at the end of the, at the deadline. Deontay Davis, not important. You got Jaron Jackson. Like, <laughs> there should never be a minute where him or Gasol are off the court. So, right. like, yeah. no I'll worries. Admit, I'll admit this, though. I don't know that I'm just not as high on the Memphis Grizzlies as you guys are. Looking at uh, looking at the – Nice talking to you, Elkin. Um, we'll see yeah. you next, next wow. year. You're, you're suspended from the podcast. Yeah, yeah, suspend me because – I'm looking at you guys put in yeah, put that under in there for me. Put it in there. I, I know they are gonna be a better team. It's just I'm I'm having a really hard time just I'm, we have a Mike Conley back, we have a Marcus All. I'm still leaving it as they might get injured or traded. Memphis may say, Oh well, let's just get get done with this. Let's play our young guy and see what we got. Little did I know that these guys have one Marshawn Brooks on their team who apparently had a string of about like seven games in which he averaged like 20 points per game. Yeah, killed it. And I thought he was out of the NBA, but the roster doesn't really I'm, – I'm not really like, wow, this team's going to improve this much. I can see him. I can see him just settling for, hey, this isn't our year again. We got Jaron Jackson. Let's go ahead and try to get one more year, even though rules are changing when we get a good pick. I mean, because one thing I will say in your favor is that uh, this their first round pick this year is protected top eight. So if things do get off to a rocky start, you know, I, I will give it to you. You know, they may they may say, let's go ahead and just try to sell some things and and maybe it's not working. And you try to preserve that that pick because you know that you're not having anything else. If that pick's gone, that's unfortunate for you. Um, obviously, this is the pick that goes. Uh, that, that go, goes to um, the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Uh, but I just think that I, I want to assume health. I want to assume a reasonable bill of health. I so we'll see. But part of me, think, I know I know contracts might be a little bit difficult to trade, but I've been expecting them to trade Marcus on Mike Conley for a while now. So those, you have those guys are like the last remnants of the grit and grind era. And I think Memphis needs to move on. And I know they kind of had a they had a super down here. They got the fourth pick, but full out, just we're done. We're moving on. Memphis used to do that, but business reasons, maybe I don't know who. But I would like to see like Mike Conley for me. If he's healthy, he deserves to be on a better team than this. So I'll say that the owner ownership wants to win fifty games. So oh, okay. that's why I think that they hit the over because they're, I mean, they're going to push for it and it would uh, take some, it would take some awful injuries in order for, I think them to, to get to the point where they actually stop and say, even, okay, we got a reverse course. Not even you guys who went up for the over can think probably they can win. Do you guys think they can win 50? I don't think they can win 50, but um, I think that they could find themselves along with that batch fighting for that last, that last seed. And if injury luck bounces their way, Maybe 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 they snag it. The only person that's hurt is Chandler Parsons. This team's not going to oh. go under five hundred. <laughs> Chandler Parsons. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 one of the only ones that we assume non health for. In right, I, I just like I just like too many players on this team, and I'm, we're not we even mentioned like you meant you brought up Marshawn Brooks who played really well in the season last year. Elkin, we haven't mentioned Jermichael Green who had a horrible year last year and is in, now in a contract year. Like he's he's someone who's been a solid player in the NBA, and he's you know six eight, stretchy four. Like I, I just I can't give up on this team. Like the, I don't see I don't see very many players on here. We're talking Dylan Brooks was one of the better rookies last year. Played all games, um, 
just didn't make a lot of mistakes out here. Like this team is just deep. Wayne Selden was a player last year that missed a lot of time. He's a six six two guard. Like this team has so many just NBA players, guys. Last year they were playing Kobe Simmons at the point guard because they had no other options. Like they they were they were ill prepared for a Mike Conley in, injury. Now I think that they are prepared. And some of these bigger, you know, like uh, you you mentioned some of the power forwards, right? Jermichael Green. And, you know, we mentioned, like, if your point guard goes down, like, those guys just, like, what do you do? You have no way to create any openings for yourselves. And so that's why I, th- I think that they're prepared for it a whole lot more this year. That was why they went out for Javon Carter. It's why they brought in Sheldon Mack. And so th- that that's why I feel comfortable with the over. Keep in mind, this team beat Golden State and Houston twice within their first six games of last season. Mm. Like continuity is something that is valuable in this league. And if Conley is healthy, continuity can drag them a long way. I I wish I could find exactly when he got hurt, but I'm just struggling to navigate basketball reference. But yeah, it was early. I know I knew it was super early, but like the point is like this team started off the year pretty well. He played 12 games last year. And this the, he the team started off good, guys. And then the wheels came off, and yeah. our boy got fired. Your boy got fired. Yeah, and what a joke! I'm so yeah. upset about that. Yeah, yeah. That, that would have been the moment where I'm like, no, just where you want to go? Where you want to go, Mark? We'll take nothing for you. Mm-hmm. I don't care because, like, <laughs> I when you're establishing a culture, yeah, obviously grit and grind has value, and it's a it's a cultural thing that they they establish. Mm-hmm. But man. Like Marcus Saul, like I think his career got stretched out now because he actually started shooting threes, and that's all. That's all. That's all, my boy, Fizdale. Well, let's go ahead and move on then to our final team, the Thanks. Dallas Mavericks, who I will say will be interesting this year. They went out and uh, they said, "You know what? Let's go ahead and get DeAndre Jordan." Uh, you know the the three year. Uh, dance that I guess took place because you know the last time he was a free agent and all all that interesting stuff. So they, anyways, they finally bring him in for. I don't understand why they we are we've already bemoaned this. Why they spent the full basically said, hey, we'll give you the same contract that you were going to have with the Clippers. We're just not going to trade. Like I don't understand why they did that. Devin Harris, they brought him in. The big the big thing that they did though, outside of that, drafting Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amen. Jalen Brunson, they brought him in as well. Uh, solid point guard. I'm, I'm happy he for that. Summer league. Yeah, um, he's very bad in summer league. Yeah, yeah. But who cares? Um, summer league. Okay. Is summer league. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, they, they'll be, they'll be okay. I mean, you know, they got him. They got Devin Harris. Uh, they, they've got Dennis Smith Jr. Honestly, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine from the point guard position. I, in my estimation. Uh, then they then they brought in uh, Costas Antetokounmpo, which mm-hmm. seems like a play for Giannis in a few years. So I mean, yeah. we'll we'll see how that goes. Oh, Costas out of Dayton University. Yeah, you know, a ten hold it down. Um, yeah, who knows? Good genetics, I hear. Yeah, good good genetics. He was Mister the Mister Irrelevant of this draft. Last pick in the draft. Uh, lost Nerlens Noel. You know whatevs. Uh, Doug McDermott, um, Seth Curry, and Yogi Ferrell. I do like some of the people that they lost. Like, this is some, you know, some valuable pieces. But, I mean, they won 24 games last year. So, 
Well, Seth Curry didn't play at all. Yogi Farrell, I think, showed his worth as a backup point guard. Mm-hmm. I think Sacramento, we talked about them a little bit. They're going to really appreciate having a, a point guard who, while not having any of like, the requisite skills of, like, he's going to, you know, finish at the rim, like, perfectly or shoot off the dribble. Like, he's an, he's an offense runner. And I think even if uh, he doesn't, like, stick in Sacramento, like, Frank Mason will be able to look at that and say, all right, that's what I got to do. Perfect. Like, I'm I'm gonna miss watching Yogi Ferrell play with the Mavericks because I think it was fun watching him and uh and Dennis Smith play out there together a little bit. Yeah. Um. This team projection is thirty four and a half. Last year they won twenty four. Is DeAndre Jordan, Luka Doncic, and I guess the rest able to make up for their losses and ten, I guess eleven more wins? Alkin, what do you think? I'm looking at like 30 wins for them. I'm putting the under. I mean, Luka Dodges and DeAndre Jordan, I mean, they're probably going to add a few wins. It's just overall the strength of the team, where it's at, when it's being in the West, it's not that strong of a team. What what I'm super confused about with uh, some of these Western Conference teams is why they think they, like, why they're all wanting to try this year. Like we we've talked about, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, I mean, bring, you don't bring in DeAndre Jordan on a one-year deal if you're trying to tank. Right. So, so what, what's the purpose maybe. of that? Right. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll trade him halfway <laughs> through the year. I mean, who cares? I mean, <laughs> internal, internal sabotage. <laughs> I don't think he's very good. Yeah. But I mean, like he's not the type of player you bring in if you are trying to rebuild. I mean, them getting Luka Doncic, like they probably feel like, all right, this is the last, like big small piece we need. We don't need to tank anymore. We got Dennis Smith Jr. We got Luka Doncic. We're, you know, I, they think that they'll probably probably be good for the future. Um, they'll bring in some free agents because it's Texas and they'll, they'll be able to do that. But, when? um, I mean, no, 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 you know, you don't have to pay as much tax. Anyway, has the Mavericks signed a free agent that was like a noted star? Like, yeah, Sean Marion came there late in his career and was very important to the title team. But when did they actually get a free agent that they really wanted? When did they dra- when whenever did they draft the brother of a really good f- potential free agent in a couple of years? Just saying. Um, okay. um the point is they are gonna be trying hard. The Grizzlies, another awful team from last year, are going to be trying hard to win games. We mentioned in a previous podcast the Phoenix Suns, who do have some uh, you know, something to say with regards to this division because of the trade that they made with Houston. I mean, they look like they want to try as well. Bringing, I mean, they brought in Trevor Ariza. They brought in now Ryan Anderson, who say what you want about his postseason ability. He's a regular season. He'll, he'll do something in the regular season if you're a team that's not trying to beat the Warriors. So, I and I've been trying to pound the over on 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 them. And I, real quick, does does the trade affect your guys's over under uh, predictions when it, when it comes to the Phoenix Suns? No, they still they still stink. They're gonna be bad. My my only, know, thought, my only thought towards the Suns is, and it's the same concept here. Um, DeAndre Jordan and Ryan Anderson are basically the same quality of player to me. Overrated for what they're even good at, and all they do is help young players develop quicker. I think Ryan Anderson, because of the way he spaces the floor, um, helps out anyone who's trying to develop on the in t- inside of the inside of the uh, three point line. So if you're looking at, you know, 
guards like a Devin Booker, who's trying to get better at attacking because clearly he's a good shooter, and you're trying to get DeAndre Ayton to be a post-up threat, Ryan Anderson helps space the floor more than Marquise Chris, more than Dragon Bender, more than anyone else you're going to play the four, even a TJ Warren. So he is a perfect developmental veteran. DeAndre Jordan, not good at defense anymore. He's still a good rebounder. Can't jump and finish every alley-oop anymore, but he's still he's one of the best in history. He's just not anymore. He's trash. He's just okay. He's fine. He's, he's out there getting minutes. But if you're trying to develop a pick and roll with Dennis Smith Jr., with Luka Doncic, um, all of a sudden you have a guy who, regardless of how good he is anymore, draws a lot of gravity every time he rolls to the rim. And so if you're trying to develop someone and help them improve in the pick and roll, you now have a guy who has the pedigree while lacking the skills. So Luka Doncic and Smith Jr. should be able to benefit from having a veteran presence, but I don't think he's going to make them win. I don't think he's going to make them win at all because he's but not good. If you yes. wanted to win this year, you would have signed Montrez Harrell. Yes, but here's here's what we, here's what we do need to really emphasize though. Last year they were in the tanking mode, like they were tanking. They actively were trying to lose games. I don't think that that happens as much this year because because of the roster that they constructed. It seems to tell me, and you know, I, Rick Carlisle is not the one who wants to lose games. So for me, I think that some of the wins or some of the losses that some of these teams ended up having last year because they were actively trying to tank pretty much from the outset. Just don't pile up quite as much because, you know, I mean, you know, I just feel like they don't pile up quite as much because they're actively trying to go out and win games from the start. Hmm. I think the most interesting thing for me is who gets traded first. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, halfway through, I mean, by the all-star break, the Mavericks should know that they're missing the playoffs. And if they know that they're missing the playoffs, then why have DeAndre Jordan on your team? And that's a trade that... I'm thinking Wesley Matthews is the guy who... Can, 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 can they just trade everyone? Can they just trade all those guys? Well, I mean, what? they have a lot of one-year contracts right now. Yeah. And then, I mean, Harrison Barnes is a player option. He's, he's, he's not giving up that money. Well, no. Well, no. <laughs> but... So he, he has two years. I, I like to see if Harrison Barnes does get traded because I look at Luka Doncic as fitting in as a three, and I don't think Harrison Barnes is a four. I don't think he's ever going to be a four. Even closing lineups, it just doesn't make sense to me very much because he doesn't step up. So are we going to be seeing those? That, that'd be a, uh, Harrison Barnes, Luka Doncic, and um, Dennis Smith Jr. is the one through three. I, I could see that. I could see um, Luka playing, playing a little bit of the two. Yeah, I mean, I, I I need to see him play defense on an NBA level and see what what the thing is. Because he looks athletic, like really athletic, next to some of the European league players. But we'll see, we'll see how that goes over over on here. I think he's going to be fine. Like I don't question his ability to play out here. Um, but I definitely, I'm definitely not as confident. Like at a two guard, where you'd be guarding guys like James Harden and Eric Gordon just to in, stay in the division. Like keeping up with those two is going to be really hard. Yeah. But Mavericks switching. That's just straight matchups. Yeah. Mavericks probably aren't going to be doing much competing with their other Texas counterparts, but (laughs) (laughs) he does. So I put it out there and I think that Mark's Richards 
end of interest with the Southwest Division. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've now run to the end. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do the Southeast from the get-go, guys. You, you should know this. I don't know why you want to do the Southeast. That's the most bo- boring division in basketball. Listen, I was I was ready to I was ready to you know to 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 make to try to derail the pod. I mean, Southeast might be most boring, might be the worst. Can't compare it to the Central. So yeah, that's I true. Don't know. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing going on in the Southeast. <laughs> hey, Dwight Howard went there, so you know, exciting. Well, he, was already, he was already there, so he just moved teams. He's a Hassan Whiteside stopper. Honestly, that was the thing I noticed the most about everything. In like all those teams trade with each other, and it's weird. Like it was, it's some really weird stuff. Just want to say that. I mean, look who's trading. Like in that division, no one's actually rivals. Like they just exist yeah. in the same space. It's it's like they've already come to understand that divisions don't mean anything any, anymore, and they're just trying to pretend as if they don't, like in protest that they're in a division. I mean, because you have the Wizards, they get into it with the Celtics. The Heat, it used to be like the Pacers and like the Knicks in them. Uh-huh. Every once in a while it is, but every all their rivalries are just out of, whereas like Central, it's like everyone doesn't like each other in the Central. Yeah. Like in the Hornets, back in the day, there was some, you know, Heat Hornets beef because of the Alonzo Mourning, you know, yeah. going there. But like that kind of got squashed when the Hornets went to New Orleans and then came back as the Bobcats. Um, <laughs> like that's a, that's a, that's a like, weird thing. I mean, in the 100% transparency, like the Heat have always been my favorite team, but like I definitely flirted with the Wizards and, and Magic both because of Dwight Howard and Gilbert Arenas. Like those are two of my favorite players and like never loved the Heat. In terms of fandom, but like when, like when the Magic were making runs in the playoffs, I was like, "Yeah, Dwight Howard, I love this guy." When Gilbert was trying to beat LeBron in Washington, I was like, "Yes, Gilbert and Deshaun Stevenson, let's go!" Mm-hmm. But I mean, whatever. Like it's, it's just funny. Like, nah. but we don't need to talk about this anymore. We can go now. Okay, I okay, okay, all right, all right that's fine. We'll yeah. talk about them later, I suppose. We will. I mean, unless we want to start talking about football, we're going to pre pre uh pregame the Lions on Monday night. Okay, it's a, it's fine. It's fine. All right. I think they're in my survivors pool, by the way, because I don't know if the Lions win any other games this year, but they're going to beat the Jets. All right. On that note, we are done for today. Yeah, we are. Ethan might get booted out of the Hero Ball podcast. We'll see. Um, Eagles want to know. On that note, doesn't really care about the Eagles, guys. Let's get out of here.